0: Today we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Welcome to Bill Myers Inspires. My idea for this show was to invite guests and get the conversation started, to take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. And we encourage our listeners to look within themselves to take decisive action to make a positive difference.
1: <clears throat>
0: Welcome to Bill Myers Inspires. I'm your host, Bill Myers. And first, let me say, Happy New Year's Day to each and every one of you. I know that we are looking with great anticipation into this new <clears throat> year. Uh, it has been a very challenging year. And... um Boy, that's, that seems to be an understatement, but I'll just leave it lay right there. Uh, before we get started today, uh, today we're talking about hope and healing. And uh, there is a wonderful uh, message that I came across on a website entitled pinestrawmag.com. And it is on hope and healing. So I would like to start with just reading this to you. We, we've all had bad days. Occasionally, it's been a tough week. And some months are better than others. Blistering heat in August and ice storms in February come to mind. But an entire year gone off the rails? Jeez. There is little doubt that 2020 carved out a special spot in our psyches for wretchedness. Seemed as though if it could go wrong, it did. It's been an alphabet soup of catastrophe catastrophe, and as we all know, the letter C now stands for COVID, but the the end is in sight. The sun will come up tomorrow, Mm -hmm. and who better to remind us of the promise of that new day than the faith community that surrounds us and embraces all of us? With that, I would like to introduce to you my guest for the day, friend of mine, and he's a wonderful gentleman, and I'm, I'm flattered and honored to have him on my show because I've been on his show. Um, his name is Richard Brendan, and a brief bio on Richard is Br- Richard Brendan brings love to life through speaking, coaching, and a weekly radio show. He ha- also serves as a hospice chaplain for 17 years and has a keen interest in in contemplate, contemplative mm-hmm. end of life. Uh, Richard, welcome. Thank you for being here on this New Year's Day.
2: Bill, it's a joy to be on your show. I was so excited when you came up with this concept and watched the first one, and because you're natural at this with your background in media and production, so i uh, looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely.
0: So. Richard, where do we start with this? Uh, And I I sort of defer this to you because in the midst of 2020, not only did we get sidetracked with this worldwide pandemic, but also uh, in America, we were faced with a considerable amount of political uh, divisiveness Yes. Um uh, Certainly, the killing of George Floyd was a tipping point not only in America with regards to its relationship <clears> with <throat> black citizens and people of color in this nation, but that seemed to reverberate beyond America throughout the entire world and And because of that mm-hmm. issue, I wanted to uh, when we started the podcast, I really focused in on uh, America and and racism. And, mm. and, and in America, which I don't think is necessarily separated from any particular topic, whether we're talking about COVID, whether we're talking <laughs> about uh, education. I, th- I think that uh, the race issue is sort of front and center with the entire history of this nation. Yeah. But but having said that, I'm I'm curious where we start when we start to talk or address <clears> the <throat> idea of healing and hope. Mm. And I, I just want to I want to start with. I'm letting you sort of weigh in on that just so we can get this conversation started because it's so massive, but um, wow.
2: wow. Well, when you're talking, when you're talking about healing and hope, I think we have to talk about love because I always go back to that. I mean, I've been on this earth long enough to have a rather long career, not only in hospice, but also as a pastor of church, uh, as a counselor, as a coach, but also as a sacred activist. And I remember when I was a little boy growing up in Springfield, Illinois, we had about 20 acres of woods behind our house. Mm -hmm. And I lived in the woods. I mean, I love the woods. I love hiking in the woods. I love building tree forts. I fished in the lake that was out there. And it was because of my love for nature that later on, I used the term, I guess I'm an environmentalist. And then I realized, and I think it was Louis Schwartzberg who actually said this best, but I realized that it's only when we fall in love with something that we can't help but want to protect it. And I realized that's what happened to me. And so at a very young age, and I didn't really get this growing up from any family member necessarily, but I had a heart for people. I remember when I was a little boy and the Vietnam War was going on and I would watch NBC News. That was rather odd. What little boy would watch NBC News with Huntley and Brinkley. <laughs> and they'd always give at some point the statistics. U.S. soldiers died. And then... Um, Vietnamese died and I had a map of the world in my uh, room and I would hear that not really comprehending a lot of that but just knowing there was sadness with that and I would go into my little room I would put my hand on the map over where Vietnam was I don't even consciously remember praying because I didn't grow up in a church but I remember doing that Mm. so I've always had a heart for people and I got to tell you Bill we're living in a time now that I've not seen in all the years I've walked on this earth and with the amount of injustice taking place. And you're right uh, in terms of the race card, it's, it's off the charts. And unfortunately um, we've had some people fan those flames that have come into office. I mean, I survived Nixon. I'm starting to miss Nixon and we have a Congress that's divided. Um, You add to that match that's already been lit that has affected way too many lives. George Floyd, so many others, but also the family members of those people. I've learned about white privilege, courtesy of you and others that I've learned from just this year, because I used to think I was pretty hip to things, but my children are young adults now. And my two boys, well, they're white. I've never had to worry. I've never had people talk about the talk. I've never had to have that talk with my boys where you drive in a city fearing that a police officer might pull you over for whatever reason, because that's never happened to my kids. I am a white, middle-class, middle-aged guy. So this has all opened up my heart and my mind to where I'm not sure what role I can play other than just continue to be an agent of love, which I've tried to do in everything I do, especially the going back to the hospice work that I loved and missed for a while. And now we have the pandemic.
1: hmm
2: Which I guess has reminded us with over 300,000 people just in this country, others around the world, that the pandemic is not a respecter of persons, color of skin, culture. It's affected everybody on this planet. So here we are. We're now uh, around the holiday time, Christmas time, and where it used to be a time when a majority of people would um, have great gatherings and, you know, the the merriest of the merry. Now, not so much, because we've had a lot of great loss. NPR had an article that I copied off of because of the title. Mm -hmm. I won't read the article, but the title said, How Do We Grieve 300,000 Lives Lost? Wow. Then you add to that, and you you know this as an artist yourself and, and a lot of your friends. We're also grieving loss of jobs. We're grieving loss of income. We're grieving loss of dignity. We're grieving loss of food. I mean, one out of four children now. One out of four, they say, are food challenged in this country, in the United States of America. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that, so I'm doing the best I can.
0: Wow, wow. You know, when you were just speaking, um, a a a news article came to my mind, and it was a um, it was an ER doctor, mm-hmm. and. the the context in which he was speaking was the overwhelm um that they're experiencing um yeah. in in these emergency rooms and the conditions as it relates to uh the isolation and um family members not being able to mm-hmm. be there with their loved ones um mm-hmm. as they are leaving this place and so you have these doctors and nurses uh who are serving as the surrogate family members holding up, uh, you know, face, Facebook live, uh, chats so that loved ones can speak, you know, it's an incredible uh, strain, but the context of what he said was just simply, um, I am broken. Mm -hmm. I am broken. Um, you know, he talked about the rate of death and, and the, um, the experience of being a healthcare worker and being, you know, uh, having cultivated coping skills to deal with that uh, that common occurrence. But he was just talking about the the rate of it. Uh, you you can't digest it. It's coming so fast. You turn your back and leave one room and move to the next, and then you come back and realize that this person has passed, and then you feel some sense of guilt as that surrogate family member that you weren't able to be there because you had to be somewhere else doing the same thing it was just incredible and i also just recently had a conversation with a fellow clergyman a pastor of a church here in indianapolis who said very much the same thing it was I, his his phrase was i'm empty
2: yeah yeah i'm that, empty that's well said and and i've known you well you're you're absolutely a heart guy you feel it um, hopefully people in the caring professions, be it pastors, hospice workers, docs, nurses, um, are uh, empathic as well. I remember early on, Bill, in, in March and April, we were pretty much unprepared for this virus. Yeah. We were beginning to witness where families weren't even allowed to come in, knowing their loved one was going to die. It's hard to go into the nursing facilities now unless they're in transition Or active, active meaning they could die any hour. Mm -hmm. So now they're letting those people in, at least for now they are. But I remember back in that day, and especially in the hospitals, and we'd see these stories on the news, and it would bring tears to my eyes. You'd see a patient in the bed. They know they're dying. And they've got the mask on. And and some of them have the hose down their throat, you know, because they can't breathe. and, And someone's holding up an iPad or a phone. No one's touching them. Yeah. Oh. Because people have to be very sterile about that. So that's a whole nother topic about not having human touch. Oh, you're yeah. dying. You're alone in your bed. The people you want most can't even be in there with, with you. And they're trying to talk to you over a phone or an iPad. Yeah. That's when I thought we are at our worst right now in yeah. this world and in this country. So and, and to a degree, there's still a lot of that going on where because of COVID, COVID is the new leprosy. When I think about even biblical times, you know, COVID is a new leprosy. Well, you you can't see them. They're COVID. They're in the red zone. You can't see them. You can't touch wow. them. You got to put on layers of gloves. And I walk in there with all the PPE and I'm used to being a, that touchy feely guy and, and right. laying my hand on them and getting close. And I can't do that now. Yeah. With COVID. And it breaks my heart.
0: Yeah, it is definitely a heartbreaker. I had a, a situation very recently where, um, very tragic incident, and the the woman was just uh, standing there, just absolutely sobbing, mm-hmm. grieving, and and I'm standing ten feet away, mm-hmm. and I felt so um, shackled, so useless, because my natural instinct, I'm a hugger, and I could not do a thing for her except yeah. to stand there and sort of occupy. A relative space. Right. And, and yeah. so, yeah, it's a, it's a very helpless sort of feeling when you can't uh, engage in human touch and the power of that. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, but that's a very great analogy that COVID is the, is the new leprosy that, that because it does feel like we are dealing with something of biblical proportion. That's for sure. We Absolutely.
2: really, we really Absolutely. are. And so you and... ask about – well, you ask about hope and healing, and then we circle back into the racial injustice that is still going on. Right. You know, the news, it's, it's the next crisis that makes the news. Have you noticed we hardly see anything on TV anymore about right. racial injustice in the cities? Why? Right. Because we have COVID now.
0: Exactly. Well, Something
2: else will take the place of COVID. But you know full well, I know too, that as we're speaking here, there are people going through a number of things just in our own country. Forget the world.
0: Right, right, exactly. Well, you know, you are listening to Bill Myers Inspires, and I'm having a conversation on hope and healing with my special guest today, uh, Richard Brendan, a good friend of mine. And boy, I couldn't think of a better person to spend this New Year's Day with and have this conversation. So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. We will be right back in just one moment.
1: Today, we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Bill Myers Inspires, as he and his guests take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Myers is an accomplished actor, jazz musician, filmmaker, writer, educator, and speaker. As a biracial man who's both black and white, Bill leverages his background, talent and voice through creativity, compassion and connection as activism for social justice to focus on uniting the divide and compelling change. Bill Myers inspires, encourages listeners to look within themselves and take decisive action to make a positive difference. For more information, visit his website, BillMyersInspires.com, and sign in for the latest news and updates.
2: Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice
0: amplified across the airwaves? You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. We are back. You are listening to Bill Myers Inspires, and I'm your host, Bill Myers, uh, with my guest today, Richard Brendan. And we are talking about healing and hope from the devastation of loss. And just before the break, Richard, you were leaning into uh, beyond our our uh, our new leprosy, which is COVID-19, you were starting to then lean into the uh, racial dynamic in this country. And so I want to start with that. And I'm going to let you sort of uh, finish your thought there, because uh, I'm sure we, we will be able to uh, uh, volley quite a bit
2: <laughs> on, on, well, on this one. <laughs> you know, um, I'm the first one to admit, I, I don't have any answers for that, which is why I haven't really taught on that at all. Or even had a program on my radio show about that yet, for me at least, um, we have to get to a sense where we have an understanding that we're all connected. There's also other things that I'm still trying to understand too, in terms of um, what people are truly going through, all the various needs that need to take place, the changes that need to take place to help. And so what I've tried to do as I've gotten older is just simplify everything. I've simplified my spirituality, simplified my life just simplified my even philosophy um i say love is my religion now and Mm. so when i look into the eyes of any human being i try to just see my brother or my sister regardless of who they are regardless of the color of their skin um that doesn't mean i'm not aware of the real divisions that are really out there but that's what i try to do um and just show love Mm. and it starts first of all with loving ourselves you know i've realized um, Gandhi said something so profound and everyone's quoted this, but he says, be the change you want to see in the world, mm-hmm. be the change you want to see in the world, be the peace you want to see in the world. We have to be it in order to, to have it. And I've been challenging myself more and more about self-love, about self-care before I can start loving others that way, too. The other thing that has really helped me a lot in terms of whether it be racial injustice or, or what have you is I have come with the hospice background I've had and the hundreds and hundreds of people I've sat with when they took their last breath. I've become to realize that awareness of death is the secret of life, that if each one of us would take the time every day through meditation quietly doesn't take very long and simply embrace our own mortality every morning now. I learned this from an author by the name of Wayne Moeller and some of my Buddhist friends. Uh-huh. I will always ask a question. I'll ask it playfully, but I'll say, I could die today. I could die today. And I even take my hands, and I just, like, I'm letting go. I could die today. And it's just is a subtle reminder to me that all I have is now. All I have is now. Uh, with you on this New Year's Day, doing this broadcast, all I have is now if I leave here and go see another hospice patient is with them. Well, we've all heard that. We've all heard the teachings, but what about applying it, actually practicing it? And when I started doing that just this past year and a half, Mm -hmm. it made a profound difference in my life and how I view people and how I see things. And I'm looking now through that lens and all these issues that are being played out on a worldwide scale through the internet, on TV and the cable channels. just taking a hard look at everything and then i'm just simply asking what is mine to do not getting caught up in the bigger picture but richard what is mine to do and what is mine to do today and that's what i do and i take it moment by moment day by day hoping that i am in some small way making a difference now if we could all do that we would have a quiet revolution taking place so yeah. that 's kind of where i 'm at right now, and i'm and like you and many others i 'm just trying to learn as much as I can and how to be a bridge,
0: yeah, and see
2: reconciliation take place yeah
0: well that's powerful that's very powerful richard I'm struck by the idea of simplifying for for us just to simplify because there's so much noise, there is so much noise out there from from the internet from 50 million tv streaming things coming at you messages coming at you and and there's a and it's it's quite heavy i mean you can just get pounded directly into the ground one of the shows i did was was on silence because something happened to me um uh not uh, well i would say probably you know i probably three months or so after george floyd um and I was just sitting on the couch and um, I saw a, a, a blurb on the news and it was yet another um, televised killing by police of a black man. And yeah. something hit me like a cloud came over me like in a second. Mm-hmm. And it just leveled me. I, I, was, I, I knew that I was like in a sinkhole that could lead to a tremendous sadness or depression. I was, I mean, just dropped into it, not gradually. (laughs) It's like the floor went out and I was taken to a point of silence. Mm -hmm. I couldn't speak to it, but I I knew in my soul, I needed to fight right now because if I allowed this thing to continue to uh, uh, pull at my ankles I was going to drown in a second you know and so I spent probably about seven or eight hours trying to pull myself up and and I did manage to to do that and I realized what it was what it was was a normalization of uh sort of the the uh, ABC movie of the week it was like the killing of the week of a black man it, it felt like that even after George Floyd and after all the protests and all the awareness it hadn't stopped at all in fact it was it was becoming sort of you know did you see did, yeah. you know it was like a Luke and Laura story i mean like yeah. it was yeah. becoming normalized and i was going yeah. that is is beyond my capacity to to, to understand Uh, Mm -hmm. that we are continuing to do the very thing that we're up in arms about not doing, (laughs) but we've now, we've now thrown gasoline onto it and we're in hyperspeed with the very thing that we do not want. So therefore the statement that you made about Mm -hmm. uh, of, of, of recalling Gandhi's statement, be the change in the world, be, be the change that you seek. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what brought that to my mind just now when you said that was because Are we being the thing or are we becoming the monster that we're railing against?
2: Yes. 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 And, and here's the thing in order for us to be the change, to see change in the world, we each have to be responsible for our own deep work. And I question how many people are willing to do that. For example, George Floyd, it was atrocious. What happened to him? Um, but the first reaction for many people like us who witnessed that was intense anger, and the anger hit the streets. Now, there is a time for anger, but anger eventually just begets anger. Yeah. And then it takes me back to the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of Gandhi, and the teachings of King, yeah. who all taught nonviolence. And one of the things I learned when I had my not-for-profit Journey's Fire International here at in Indy um, – one of the missions was to bring in teachers to help raise consciousness, at least in this area and sure. to bring people who've never been to Indianapolis before. So one of the, the first person I brought in was a guy by the name of Andrew Harvey, who was a scholar. He translated a lot of Rumi books, but he was also a sacred activist and was coined the term sacred activist and was writing a lot of books on that, brought him in for a three day workshop on sacred activism. And one of the yeah. things Andrew said, and I still remind myself of that. He says, There's always going to be darkness out there. He says, but be careful that you don't stare at the darkness. In other words, all our energy is the darkness. All our energy is the tragedy because it will stare right back at you. Notice the darkness. So you're educated, you're aware, but then turn towards the light. And then that's when it reminded me of all my heroes, uh, His Holiness of Dalai Lama, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. They all model the same thing. Somehow, men and women are able to balance, I define sacred activism, for example, as the inter, as the dance of the inner work of heart with outer service in the world. Inner work of heart, meaning going deep, understanding what our shadow is, understanding if we have anger issues, what have you, going for the healing for that, taking yoga, doing meditation, taking our walks in nature, whatever it is to nurture that heart level, that spirit level with, not also or but with service in the world. Being kind when you go to a grocery store or a drugstore. I mean, I used to call that lamplight activism, Bill, that if we would simply do that, be that light when we wherever we go and try to make a, a gain out of it. I'm here to get a loaf of bread, but you know what? I might be here to vibe somebody with a vibration of love or to go up and say, "Um, I don't know you, but I hope you have a wonderful day and then walk away. All those little simple things, if everybody did that and if everybody was responsible for that. So, for example, we get angry about those things and anger can serve as a good tool. Even Jesus got angry. But what do we do with that anger? We've got to somehow flip it around into a fierce love where now we're starting to march with love. That's what changes things. And that's why as a little boy, I was so entranced by a Dr. Martin Luther King that I would watch on TV and oh. why I cried at age eight when Robert Kennedy got assassinated. Now, because I didn't understand a lot of these people, but I knew there was something inspiring about them and they touched my little heart. That's what we need more of. But to do that, we have got to do our big work, which is our inner work. It's so easy to get riled up. Oh, but, yeah. but I'm I'm questioning how many people will take the time to take a step back and and do that before we hit the streets and start the day because that's what's going to start changing things I think. Yeah, and is essential.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As you were as you were just saying that I was I'm reminded of I've got a banner here that um I just picked up over at uh uh new age people and um it just really spoke to me. And it was in the end, what matters most is how well did you love? How well did you live? How well did you learn to let go? That's the Dalai Lama. Yes. And and you, you, you referenced that idea just a few moments ago, and it is so vitally important mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, I, I really don't think that uh, the thing that is on our minds is, are those episodes where I was done wrong or blah, blah, blah. I think when those last breaths come up, man, I <laughs> I think all of that falls under an irrelevant category very quickly. Yes. And the assessment is you know, how well did you love? How, you know, how well did you live? It's the inner yeah. work is the most important work. It I, really is. I, and, and
2: what I saw in the death and dying business is, I have had white patients, I've had black patients, I've had Christian patients, I've had atheist patients, I've had Buddhist patients. Didn't matter color of skin, didn't matter if they had a belief or no belief at all. One thing I witnessed firsthand is everybody is born, everybody dies, and everybody grieves. Now just Hmm. think about that for a minute. That hit me, it dropped from my head, from knowledge into my heart, which I call illumination. Mm. And I said, oh my God, we have that in common. And then I noticed on TV, bombings taking place and the victims grieving, terrorists who got bombed. That may be our country. The, they're grieving over loss of children that get caught into that. We all have that in common. And now there are actually think tanks, believe it or not, around the world, studying how death awareness can even contribute to peacemaking. Once we get in touch with how fragile life is and how precious life is and how we subconsciously think we're going to live forever, but we don't know. We might not. All I have is today. When that drops from your head into our heart, you will find it will start changing you. You will be a little kinder. You you will want to offer more encouraging words to people because you know this is all the time we have. And so, I'm just fascinated by that. And I'm finding that it's taking me down a path that I'm spending more time in this, this death awareness movement, if you will. Yeah. Because it has a lot to do with everything we're talking about today with peacemaking. It's another path to get into this broad arena of Absolutely. racial reconciliation of peacemaking. Right. Or, or the COVID pandemic grief. Right. You know, getting back to that article, that title, are people even grieving? We are hit every day by so many stressors. Are we taking the time to even grieve the loss of a loved one, the loss of that job, the loss of income? So grief is swelling up like a cancer inside of all of us.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's so many, so many uh, illnesses coming at us, you know, all at once. And uh, you know, you 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 mentioned a, a, a good a good lot of them just now and so we're going to take a break and and when we come back from that break I want to unpack some of that because I know that you are right there and I want to make sure that our audience stays with us and we're all right there so um, you are listening to Bill Myers inspires and I'm here with my guest today Richard Brendan and we're talking about healing and hope from the devastation of loss we'll be right back in just one moment
1: today we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Bill Myers Inspires as he and his guests take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Myers is an accomplished actor, jazz musician, filmmaker, writer, educator, and speaker. As a biracial man who's both black and white, Bill leverages his background, talent, and voice through creativity, compassion, and connection as activism for social justice to focus on uniting the divide and compelling change. Bill Myers Inspires encourages listeners to look within themselves and take decisive action to make a positive difference. For more information, visit his website, BillMyersInspires.com and sign in for the latest news and updates.
0: You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. We are back. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires with my guest, Richard Brendan, and we're talking about healing and hope from the devastation of loss okay, Richard, you, you, you kind of laid out a, a pretty decent list right before that break, and I want to sort of back up into that. So I know that you – I'm, I'm going to just let you take this right now because I don't want to stand in the way of that because you were on a roll. <laughs>
2: so, yeah. Well, well, let me – first of all, I want to share an event coming up on January 10th. It's worldwide because it's going to be online. Everybody can attend it. It's free if you register for it. And um, the event is called Global Day of Mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, because there's been so much grief being held up worldwide, but also especially in this country. On January 10th, Mm. uh, 2021, all you have to do is write. Treby Johnson is the founder of that. Radical Joy for Hard Times is a nonprofit organization. And it's about trying to provide meaning in areas of grief and loss, uh, whether it be the environment or what have you. Well, they had a a bold vision that what are we doing with this grief? So she and several other national grief experts are getting together. It's going to be an online day long, all kinds of events from uh, conversations that you can even participate to with people like this. There's going to be an Iroquois Native American ceremony. There's going to be live, dense of uh, dance event with a DJ so you can dance in your office or your bedroom or whatever on the internet but it's all about how to grieve appropriately uh, through the, the pandemic as we're going through it there's that yeah. also I wanted to share just a quick story because I'm starting to write these stories and these are stories um, that I hope to be put in a book uh they're based on the, the, the hospice patients I've served but I think this one might speak to what we're talking about so I'll just share it as I posted it on Facebook sure. uh, quite some time ago a week ago this morning, upon being notified of the death of a hospice patient, I was asked to share the news to the patient's 89-year-old boyfriend, who also lived at the facility. Sitting across from him, his hand he wasn't completely surprised by the news, but it still hurt his heart. He then looked up at me and shared how his dog had just passed a few weeks earlier. And I had noticed when I walked in, there was a crate, but no dog was in it. Mm. He asked if it was okay to cry for his dog as well. And as he held my hand tighter, and now tears were flowing down my face, I responded, absolutely. And I'll cry with you. And in that moment, no other words were needed. Henry Nguyen wrote, be present to each other and experience in the depths the gift of life. To care means being where the suffering is. It's a way of living together. So the mystery of life is revealed. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that experience and I thought about that quote from the great teacher Henry Nowen. And I thought, man, if we could get that, because we're all grieving. You think about today, those of us who are going into a grocery store, drugstore, what have you, invariably everybody's going through loss. And as we've shared earlier in the program, it's either the loss of a loved one through death, it's the loss of a job, it's loss of income. And, you know, people hide that, you know, they don't, they don't want to shine that out because they're embarrassed. But just know that everybody has probably gone through a loss of some kind. And if we just know that, I found, Bill, that just makes my heart a little more tender. I start to slow down just a little bit so I can notice a little bit more the people that are around me maybe I can be used as that agent of life, as that agent of love to those people Absolutely um, makes a big difference. So I've been learning so much how to be that vessel, that healing vessel, if you will, of hope um, by the patients who are facing their own mortality because they get it. They know they're going to die. And those three questions, you know, Dalai Lama questions, I love those questions. I have a banner behind me with yeah. those same questions on it. We ought to be asking those questions. Am I living well? Am I, am I loving fully? And am I learning to let go? Letting go of he did, she did me wrong 10 years ago. Letting go of judgments. Letting go of, of what people even think about us anymore. Just letting go because as we let go, we learn to walk lightly on the earth and i don't know about you my friend but i want to start walking a whole lot lighter on this earth yeah i I could major in carrying the baggage with me that was heavy for years (laughs) i don't want to do that anymore
0: right been there done that for sure yeah Yeah, exactly i'm with you richard that is uh, yeah if we could if we could learn to walk a little lighter there's 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 so much there i i agree with you um wholeheartedly it is the work is on the inside yes yes the work is on the inside and um how we can honor one another how we see one another how we can appreciate one another how we can greet the stranger with a smile and a kindness Mm -hmm. and uh and that to be genuine yeah yeah because a smile is magical at That's the right. right time. And uh, it, uh, and it means a lot. I, I'm, I'm reminded of a, of a time when I was into, uh, I was uh, uh, producing a jazz concert in Barbados and uh, was sponsored by the United States embassy. It was, you know, wonderful honor, great gig, cute. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and I, my handler, we were trying to go to a grocery store and we were there and we just couldn't figure out where the actual entrance was. You saw the parking lot, but I couldn't, you know, we're walking around the building going, is it, you know, is there a secret, you know, door or something? Just couldn't figure it out. But we walked by uh, a group of three gentlemen, uh, sitting on the curb, uh, drinking out of the, the brown bag, laughing (laughs) and cutting up, having a great time. And we walked right by them. And as we passed them, uh, few seconds later, one of them stood up and said, hey, and I turned around, we turned around, and this man said, how dare you, how dare you walk by another human being and not greet them? Mm. And that, I mean, he went on for about 10 minutes, and I (sighs) was speechless because I recognized that Everything he said mm-hmm. was absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yet in America, where I come from, mm-hmm. people cut their eyes away from each other intentionally. I don't know. I mean, I've only been a person of color my whole life, mm-hmm. but I can tell you, I am, uh, my eyes are wide open. I do not mind at all to make eye contact with another, but I cannot tell you. How much of the time when I'm trying to extend, eyes cut away, you're not really there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't want to connect with you. (laughs) That's the American way. Yes. I I was so ashamed of myself Mm -hmm. that I had allowed a moment to occur because I had a wonderful teacher. He was called my grandfather, Mm -hmm. who could work a room like nobody's business. It could be 400 people in the room for a luncheon, and I promise you, he made personal eye contact and and uh, pressing of the flesh with every one of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was just like, uh, you know, poetry in motion. It was balletic to watch him walk through and yes. just wop 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 wop, loving on everything that he came in contact with, and come and and just as a closing shot of that, my grandfather, I never knew where he was from. He always talked about the British West Indies and it was sort of couched in that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Only a few years later or a few years ago, I was talking with a cousin and I said, I was never certain about where he was actually from. And they turned around and said, Barbados, Mm -hmm. that very place that said you greet every human being was the place of origin of my grandfather. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, you know,
2: anyway. Well, we do that. Don't we do that also, at least here in America, almost every street corner at a stoplight, there's somebody asking for money and we avert our eyes. Uh, yeah. We do that all the time. Your grandfather also sounds like he had a tremendous gift of presence. He knew how to be present with people. And that can even just take a few seconds. I Hearing the story about him reminded me and it's interesting it reminded me of this guy we didn't even have a long conversation and this was about four or five years ago monumental yoga oh my gosh um and I don't know who he was but he was going around we had a table for the serendipity festival I was part of and he took every person's hand and he took my hand and he put his hand in my hand put his other hand over it and just looked at me for about a second or two and didn't say a word And then he said, very slowly, I want to thank you for the good work that you're doing while he was holding my hand. I remember that to this day. Wow. That little interaction he did, but he was so present. And we're we're needing that as well. We just need to start being more present with one another. But we're living in a crazy, busy lifestyle. And as Thomas Merton used to say, we produce violence to ourselves by busy being that busy on the roads. I see that happening, but also we just don't take the time, but your grandfather had an intuitive knowing to do that. Yes. And we need all need. We all need to be doing that more than what we're doing.
0: Yeah. All hands on deck. Absolutely. All hands on deck.
2: Yeah. That's, that's
0: incredible. I think there's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 you know, we all as human beings, uh, desire to be seen, heard, um, appreciated, loved, uh, yeah. acknowledged. That's a human need um, for sure, a series of human needs. And so when when whenever we engage that short list,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: we tap into tremendous power. Because Absolutely. the simplicity of the moment again it doesn 't require lots of dialogue in fact, we don 't have to speak the same language mm-hmm. I, uh, we don 't have to be uh to to have uh, our eyesight or our ability to speak to do this level of communication and perhaps these are the things vibrationally that have always attracted me about music there 's something transcendent about it uh and our and how it just connects us in a way without the need of words, without the the need of, you know, that kind of setup and that sort of, <laughs> you know, a warm up session. It, it's mm-hmm. not required uh, that. But what is required is for us to be open. Open uh, to engage. Yes,
2: yes. Yeah, I it's, well, well it's, music music can be that way. It reminds me of when I was talking to a, a Dr. Larry Dawsey, who's a physician but also a well-known author in terms of holistic healing and health and the power of love and all that. This was during the Iraq War, uh-huh. and I don't know how we got on this, but he said, "I really believe, Richard, what we ought to do instead of sending our troops to Iraq, we ought to send our jazz musicians to Iraq because jazz is uniquely American, and there's something that is transcending." about music. I remember when Michael Jackson died and there was a worldwide uh, memorial service form on TV. And I remember they would have shots on TV of all the people from around the world in Japan and China and Korea all dancing and grieving at the same time. That was music that did yeah. that. So music is another anchor that can bring us all together if we allow it to do so. It reminds us of our commonalities. We're aware of our differences, and unfortunately, we stare at them too often. Like Andrew Harvey said, but if we could just step back and also remind ourselves of the commonalities,
0: yeah. I think
2: we'd be more loving and kind people as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 pretty powerful. The uh human connection, I mean, again, you know, this has led me to sort of my, my mantra that I've shared with you over and over. It, it, the, the conclusion of, of my 54 years or whatever is just kind of come down to three words and it's creativity, mm-hmm. compassion and connection. Mm-hmm. And I try to uh, utilize those three things in my decision making and how i walk through the world those are those are my goals that yes. that are set before me and i can tell you with absolute certainty if i am presented with a situation by mm-hmm. in which none mm-hmm. of those are present uh, i'll pass yes yes because life well, is just too short to to uh um try to fake that. You know what I mean? I want to be present. I don't want to to stand for something I don't stand for.
2: (laughs) Well, it's interesting. I I love that mantra and I've heard it before. And now I'm thinking about the times when you've told me you've turned down things because it didn't fit those three words. And by having that mantra, by having that, I would even call it your purpose it helps you even make decisions in a clearer way. It helps you harness your unique energy, your unique talents that you have into the areas that you can make the most difference for the sake of humanity. And boy, isn't now the time we, yeah. we need to raise a bar, every one of us.
0: Yeah, you yeah. are absolutely correct. And 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 I hope that that this this conversation will lead us. You know, and or assist us in looking in the right direction, uh, because what we're looking for is not outside of us. Absolutely, absolutely. We yeah. are more than capable of of achieving uh, the happiness and mm-hmm. and 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 sharing the love and 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 joy of life. Um, I, you know, when you you made a comment earlier about um. The, the importance of of death and the significance of that and um you know I'm, I'm a, a a thespian person and have done tons and tons of shows so I I go to the gospel of Stephen Schwartz and uh uh and and there is uh, the musical Pippin I had the great opportunity to play the leading player in that production and that thing. <laughs> You played Ben Vereen.
2: You played Man. Ben Vereen's part. Oh my Whoa. I can see you doing that. You that's, know, that's my all-time favorite musical by the way, Pippin. It so. presents that life
0: dilemma on and breaks it all the way down and <laughs> it's like, you know, I tried sex, I tried drugs, I tried being the king, I tried and I can't find total I can't find fulfillment. Yes. And so this search of all these external things but in that last scene where uh the leading player is encouraging Pippin to step into the firebox, to step into this firebox, and and you know you'll be a, a big light in the world and all this sort of stuff. But yeah. one line that has truly stuck with me is when he says, the leading player says to Pippin, uh, "Why? It's the final affirmation of life. Mm. Death." Mm. Death is the final affirmation. So I'm reminded also about the dash, you know, all the reference to the dash, you know, from this year to Mm -hmm. that year it ended. But it's all about the dash is, but without the ending, you don't have the dash. That's right. That's right. So indeed, it is drawing on the last breath that affirms that you lived.
2: It is. It is. Do we have time for me to share just two things?
0: We've got uh, about three minutes, so okay. we've got two and a half minutes. So two and
2: a half minutes. Well, the one thing I want to share, um, maybe it's the reading after all. First of all, there's a Zen night chant. I won't share the story behind it. Okay. It's about a friend, Lisa Morrison, who died tragically at 44. She was in radio and all of that. Um, but I want to share something I just shared with the hospice team, and it's a reading from John O'Donohue, one of my favorite writers. And um, his book, A Book of Blessings, the B- Bless the Space Between Us, is a must-read. But this is for courage because this is New Year's Day, and you're going to have people in your audience who just need some courage. Wow. Let me just share this. He says, when the light around you lessens and your thoughts darken until your body feels fear, turn cold as a stone inside. When you find yourself bereft of any belief in yourself, and all you unknowingly leaned on has fallen. When one voice commands your whole heart, and it is raven dark, steady yourself and see that it is your own thinking that darkens your world. Search, and you will find a diamond thought of light. Know that you're not alone, and that this darkness has purpose. Gradually it will school your eyes To find the one gift your life requires hidden within the night corner. Invoke the learning of every suffering you have suffered. So close your eyes, gather all the kindling about your heart to create one spark. That's all you need to nourish the flame that will cleanse the dark of its weight of festered fear, a new confidence will come alive to urge you toward higher ground where your imagination will learn to engage difficulty as its most rewarding threshold. And that book alone provides us some of the inspiration that we need to just get through the day.
0: Yeah, man, thank you so much for sharing that. Those are beautiful words of wisdom from John O'Donohue brought to us by Richard Brennan, my guest today. We wish you a happy new year. And uh, we're glad that you tuned in with us on this first day of the new year as we look forward with hope and love. Thank you so much. And God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for spending your afternoon right here with us at Bill Myers Inspires. Remember, we're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Inspired Choices Network. Remember to take time this week to take a breath and look within yourself and figure out how you can make a positive difference in this world. Spread the word, and we'll see you here next Friday. Have a wonderful week.